and I was really in a bad mood. But then there was this guy, this German guy. <laughs> this guy. And he was looking at me strangely and was like, what do you want? Who are you? Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dive Deep with Dush. We are in season two, which means I continue to have interesting guests on the show. Today we have twice the fun. I have a friend with me who actually happens to be a colleague and another friend who actually happens to be my colleague's partner. So I introduce to you Fritjof and Madalena. How are you guys? Thank you, fine. Hello, <laughs> Well, usually I get my guests to introduce themselves. But seeing that you are a couple, I want you to introduce each other. So, Madalena, please introduce Fritjof. All right, I will try to do my best. Uh, Fritjof is a German guy living in France uh, since two years. And uh, he's a pretty boy. <laughs> and he's very fun. He's an engineer. He uh, works for Siemens and he uh, likes to uh, row uh, in the river. And uh, what about, uh, what else can I say about you? Um, These are all positive things right now. Is it, is it all positive about Fritjof? No, actually not. <laughs> but uh, his, his um, shortcomings are quite few, I have to say. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he can be pretty... He has a little bit of vanity. That's what can I say as a shortcoming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm conscious about that. Yeah, but but, but thank you very much. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of flattered. <laughs> um, so yeah, about Madalena. Um, so she she's an Italian girl who grew up in the north of Italy um, in Piemonte, and uh, she studied translation and languages. So that brought her here to Toulouse in a translation agency, where she worked in project management for translation projects for the industry. And you're a really good actor. So you like to play on the scene, you, you, like, you also participated on the University uh, uh, Theatre Festival and I actually you on stage and that was really, really awesome. And actually, um, the first time when I have really seen you was also on stage. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's a great introduction, much better than I would have been able to give you guys. So thank you so much for that. I just wanted to make a comment about my relationship with Fritjof. So... Me and Fritjof used to be on the same project where I was in a management role and Fritjof did not want to know me. I mean, we had the most basic conversations, literally, hi, hellos, and that was it. No friendship, no, no, nothing better there. But as soon as I moved on to another project, all of a sudden <laughs> we started to become good friends. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of true, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe I was only shy in the beginning. I mean, you were coming from London and so, I don't know, maybe I was just... A little bit reserved because out of shyness, it was nothing, nothing personal. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so just to start of the conversation, how was quarantine for you guys? Oh, I have to admit, at the beginning, it was really, really tough. I think I just started. It was not yet real that we have that situation. Uh, uh, in the world, we did not really understand fully what's going on, and uh, the state here in France was really, really strict from the beginning. So they sent you in a, a really strict lockdown, so you could not leave your house without uh, some kind of justification paper, where you write on where you have to go and what you're gonna do and when you leave your house. So that was really, really strict, and I was really feeling really bad about that 
in the beginning because it was only really hard the imagination for me to stay in this flat. I mean, it's kind of nice, but it's still really, really small in, in the city center of Toulouse. So I, I just felt so um, so imprisoned in, in this flat, imagining that I have to stay here so much time without knowing when I can go out. So that was really overwhelming at the beginning. And then for me personally, it, it became easier when I just did it and I, I also benefited from it to be more calm here at home and just have more time for myself or for thinking or talking with my family. Yeah, I think that's a very human skill that we're, we're very adaptive and very evolving and we're able to adapt to our environment so easily. I think that's like helped humankind kind of like live through the ages and this is the, the modern version of it where we're used to living a specific lifestyle and now we have to adapt to change in order to deal with this pandemic. Mm. But what about yourself, Madalina? How was it for you? It was hard, but maybe on the contrary, it was harder towards the end because at the beginning I thought, okay, it won't last long. So it's just like a kind of pause that we make uh, on our daily routine and we have just have to switch a bit from uh, uh, like going to work every day and working from home or just going out less but then the, the quarantine got really strict and got longer and longer and I was working very long hours although it was supposed to be a time where we paused and then it got a little bit harder for me also for the fact that I was working all the time in front of a screen and then also to see other people like my family or my friends I had to be on a screen so it was really hard for me for that part but uh, thanks to the fact that we could walk uh, every day and also we could talk together and I was not alone and uh, also the fact that yeah there was some positive aspects because yeah you could spare time that you would spend in public transportation. Yeah. So with the additional spare time that you had in the day, were you able to do some new interesting things that you've not done in the past? Yeah, we spent a lot of time in the kitchen. That was fine because uh, we tried to, to like comfort ourselves with good food because it was one thing that was allowed. So doing the shopping and really caring about what we ate and also preparing it and taking more time to do it properly, it was really fun instead of buying bagels or uh, other pastries we did it ourselves so it was interesting to experiment a little bit and do some things that maybe I would have bought instead of making at home. Yeah that, that's also true for me uh, I mean we established some routines and that is really really nice and, and also one thing uh, that I did for the first time it was kind of a little video project with our friends and families so we were just cooking and making a little video about that and uh, then we also made some videos with the participation of everybody. So we, we tried to make a little intro of, of a TV show and it's, <laughs> it was really fun in the end. I know it doesn't make any sense really to do that, but with that you have something to do with your friends and with your family. And, and that was really cool to do that. And also for me, a new experience to yeah. really cut a video at home. That's something I usually wouldn't have done without the quarantine and now it's some kind of memory we have now from, from that time, so it's awesome. really, really cool. Yes, yeah, it's, it's amazing that you have to, as I said, adapt and evolve to suit the situation that you're mm -hmm. in. And there's an interesting little video that I saw recently from um, a Twitter exec who was talking about work-life balance. And now, because we are working from home, what we are lacking in the workplace, i.e. face-to-face contact, the little conversations that you have, which are meaningless, i.e. good morning, how are you, how was your day, what did you do in the weekend? 
They're simple, literally meaningless conversations, but actually it's a very positive thing for your mental mindset to have these conversations, just to have that form of relaxation. Yeah. And therefore, when they say, when you have meetings now online, it's, it's important to have this small talk before you start, as opposed to getting straight into the action. Or um, if you need to talk to your manager and, you know, let, let out your anxieties that you'd have done over a coffee break in the mess room or in the kitchen, which you can't do now. Again, you need to make time for this in your schedule with your workplace in order to have a good mental mind balance. And so things like face calls, video calls, uh, making videos, you know, sending pictures in a, in a group yeah. chat with your, with your work colleagues, it's very important for your mental mindset. And, and I guess that's how we have to evolve now in order to, to be healthy. Yeah. So, so we kind of learn to appreciate that, that little human interaction that we have had in our everyday life before. And now we really say, okay, that's something valuable. I think that's, that's kind of true what you've said. Yeah. The other big question I wanted to ask was, how is it like living with each other in, in you know, this the four walls of a confined space during quarantine? It was great. Actually, so. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was kind of a test. I mean, we... we Already before that, we, we have been together for more than two years already, so we are used, we were used to each other. But it was like a different situation because we have not spent 24 hours yeah, seven exactly. days a week before. And it went out pretty, pretty well. I mean, we had much more conflicts in a way than before. But I think it was good that we could speak about something sometimes to solve these conflicts mm. and, and to... to improve our situation here. So in the end, it was a really positive uh, yeah. experience when you just think about our relationship, how it evolved. But I think it's also important that you speak to each other when something doesn't work. And I think due to the fact that it's hard to avoid each other here, we did a really, really good job. <laughs> yeah, it's true what you say, where you're now forced to communicate with each other if there's a problem. Whereas in your normal working life, if there's an issue, you can kind of like have some breathing space, you know, you go away, you take yeah. some fresh air, you have your work day, you come out eight hours later and you have like a fresh mindset in order to deal with the, with the conflict and resolve it. Whereas now, because you're in the same space, you have to resolve it exactly. there and then exactly. at least. For me, it's also important because naturally I'm a person who tries to avoid conflicts. I, I'm really for harmony and sometimes, which is not a good trait of myself, when there's a conflict, I just try to avoid it and try not to talk about it and just want to be alone or take a walk and that was not possible in that time so I think it was really good I mean it's not that we had conflicts all the time don't yeah. misunderstand me but for me it was good to be in that situation to really be forced to, to speak and to solve conflicts by, by communication so around this table we are all Europeans well, I am, I am until December and then I won't be part of Europe but that's a, that's a, that's a different story <laughs> <laughs> but the question I want to ask is, what brings you to France? At the beginning, it was uh, the fact that I was uh, getting a bachelor degree in French and English, and I couldn't speak a proper French. So I told myself, I must, I must speak a better French. I have to go to France. So I found a double degree master, and it was uh, between Toulouse and Genoa, and. So the first year was in Toulouse and I came here to study and improve my French and I happened to meet Fritjof uh, in France so uh, then afterwards when we were both uh, uh, finished with our studies we decided to move to France because it was a sort of compromise between Italy and Germany and it was a place where we both felt to have a link. 
So it's basically the relationship that you share that allows, well, that brings you specifically to Toulouse as a city. I think it's, it's, it's only that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really like Toulouse. It's a really, really sweet, uh, sweet city. And uh, you can spend a really good time here. I mean, it's close to the mountains. It's relatively close to, to the sea. And I mean, the weather is usually good in, in summer and in, in spring, at least. And uh, despite of that, I have never had never planned to go to France. I mean, mm. I always liked France as a country. I, I have learned French in school at university. Uh, I was really interested in the French culture, but I've never planned to to live in France actually. Yeah, yeah. So just for my audience, this is the first time I have a couple with me on the show. <laughs> and if you've been following my podcast, you know I talk a lot about dating and relationships, and actually. My audience that I interact with through social media, these are the kind of things they really want to know about. And it's crazy the amount of questions I get asked about, you know, what, what, what's good, what's bad and everything. So I think today is a great opportunity to try and delve into that with like a real life couple in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you anything awkward. <laughs> so how did you guys meet? Well, it was kind of a chance that, that brought us together because... I was here as a student and um, I, I went uh, to back to Italy for my Christmas holidays and I was supposed to spend New Year's Eve here with a couple of friends and uh, um, when we were boarding on the plane uh, my best friend figured out that uh, her uh, ID had expired and so the, the, the hostess uh, didn't let her board on okay. the plane so I came here all alone and I was raving because <laughs> I was like it's not possible she forgot about it and she, she it was just that thing that she had to check out and it was not fine so I'm spending New Year's here, here all by myself yeah. I could have been with my family and friends but luckily I, I, I've known a girl that she's also Italian and she, she, she had told me okay if you're here for New Year's Eve I'll be here because I'll be working so I will spend Christmas and New Year's Eve with other Erasmus students and on New Year's Eve there's this party and so I came to the party and I was really in a bad mood but then there was this guy, this German guy, <laughs> this guy. and he was looking at me strangely and was like what do you want, who are you and I was pretty much ignoring him all the evening. But then I got relaxed. It was also thanks to a little bit of beer, I think. <laughs> and after after uh, midnight, it was a moment where everybody dispersed in the party. So I lost track of my friends and I was just dancing in the room randomly. And just all of a sudden, he took my hand and we started to dance. Awesome. And it was really, really nice. Mm -hmm. And we didn't really speak that much, but it was... Uh, a very particular moment and it was so liberating and it was an, an, a great experience because I felt like I was back to my family and I didn't know it and at the same time I was not thinking about anything in particular so I, I just really had a good moment and that was it. All of a sudden the spell broke and we got home separately because I, I had misunderstood him. I thought he wanted just a night, a one night stand, and so I, I was just a little bit pissed, and I didn't want to see him anymore. But then the next day, he wrote me. He searched for me on Facebook, and he wrote to me, and he he said, "Oh, it was nice to dance with you," and uh, I I sort of melted down. <laughs> <laughs> but 
a, l- a little key lesson there, which I think is amazing, and I think you've taken it quite positively, is the confidence that Fritjof showed. So I think most people, when they see, well, most guys, when they see an attractive female in a bar or a place like that, most of the time, all you do is stare at her. You'll just literally stare at her, maybe she'll stare back at you, and then you tell your guys, look, look, she's looking at me. <laughs> and that's as far as it goes. But you actually took the opportunity to go and grab her hand and have, you know, actually dance with her, yeah. which is like kudos to you. I think that takes like a, a lot of balls to do that genuinely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, in that case, it was really easy for me because I really felt like it's the right thing to do. I really yeah. felt it from, from my inside, and I really felt the physical connection to, to Madalena. So it was in that case it was not difficult for me to go there because I just did it I didn't overthink it I just went to her and I mean we danced and it was really really nice and uh, we, we spent an awesome awesome night an awesome evening together so that's so adorable <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean that helped a lot in, in that situation that uh, you just switch off your brain a bit you you just feel what you yeah. you, you have to energy. do you just yeah yeah just feel the energy a little bit so in that case uh, we were lucky that we both of us were able to feel it in, mm. in that moment yeah a lot of a lot of the times many people would overthink a situation as well where yeah. they, they want they start thinking scenarios in the head where oh she's going to reject me or this is going to happen or no this is not going to turn out really well yeah. whereas actually it's all about as you said feeling the energy feeling the connection going with the vibe and when it's when it's when it's right everything will work out positively and in this case clearly it has worked out yeah. well for you yeah I mean, we, we kind of didn't stop to speak then when uh, when I went back to Berlin and, and she was still in Toulouse. We, we just kept on the communication going and we just wanted to see each other again. So then we did that. And that was also important for us to, to get together, that we were also interested in the personality of the other one. And mm. Well, you guys are both engaged as well. And as, you, as we know now, you're both from different cultures as well. How has it been like to get these two families to, to come together as well? Have there been any challenges faced? I would say not yet, because uh, so far our families have met just once. But... Um, yeah, I don't think we had to face challenges due to the difference between the families also because there is not a huge contact and there are not huge differences for the moment. But then um, I think that if if one day we have some children and the bond will get even stronger, maybe there will be some uh, different views on how to raise children yeah. and our parents as grandparents will try to give their own opinion and sometimes it can bring to clashes. Mm. I also really appreciate that your family is really, really open to me. I mean, they, they are not closed at all. They, they are curious about, about Germany. Also. That also helps a lot, I think. Um, also my family, I think they just accept you when you're uh, in our house and it, it, it works out really, really fine, I think. So also when I'm in Italy, I'm, I'm open to adapt a little bit. For, uh, for me, it's sometimes difficult to spend very much time on the table just eating. In Germany, we just do not do that. So um, I, just, I just get over it and uh, uh, compromise a little bit. So everybody is, has, has this mindset to, to, yeah, to put yourself or your thoughts a little bit back and just to, 
to accept the situation and yeah. be curious about it. Yeah, I think for, for, for our generation now, there's a lot of interculture relationships is becoming quite mm. normal because we're very forward-thinking individuals. We realize your culture doesn't define you. It's more so you as a person and we're able to see the person, whereas our parents and maybe our grandparents who are not from that generation, they mm. have a very different perspective of the world. And I think this goes hand in hand with the experiences that you have living in a different country. So, for instance, my grandparents, they, they were always born and raised in India. All they saw was Indian people. So for them to see one of their own have a relationship with someone outside of India is unheard of. You know, it's never <laughs> going to happen in a million years. Yeah. Whereas now, because we are living in a very, you know, um, interracial, um, very forward-thinking, fast-paced countries like France this is seen as quite normal and therefore it's a very progressive route I think that we are taking and I think future generations are going to benefit from our experience. I also think uh, when, you, when you're looking for a partner, I mean on an emotional level, I mean it's better to be same I think, but when you have a different culture, I mean it's something that enriches also your life and I think that's like a plus when you find a partner than when he's from another culture and when you're open enough to accept that, I think you can only win. Also the fact that um, you can bring positive changes changes to the life of the other family, the other nation, let's say, uh, in terms of culture, because both our families have benefited uh, um, from the fact that uh, they have uh, a, a, a another sibling that comes from another country. Yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking about the hybrid food that can be made available now. So it's going to be <laughs> schnitzel pizzas. <laughs> Actually, in Italy we have something like schnitzel, which is yeah. called bistecca milanese, and it's 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 pretty much the same thing. So we, there are some common grounds between the two kitchens. I want to bring the subject back to dating now mm -hmm. because this is something I really want to touch on with you guys. So we spoke a little bit about a positive trait that we saw uh, within Fritjof where he showed a little bit of confidence and I guess that was taken quite positively when you first met him. So from your perspective as a male and a female, what are the, the positive traits that you would look for? In general, what I look for is like honesty. I think it's pretty much the basic thing and that goes hand in hand with respect and I think it's something you can find in guys in general because guys can be really simple in a positive way not in a bad way I mean it doesn't take so much to make a guy happy and that's a good thing because uh, I know that girls can be quite complicated sometimes and have a lot of pretensions whereas a guy can be laid back and just one of the most important things is, is passion. I think it's really amazing when somebody is passionate, passionate about something and when, when somebody has uh, love for, for life and other persons in general and he's able or she is able to show it to other persons and to share the emotions with other people. I think that is really important for me. When you realize that, I think you get inspired and yeah. automatically want to be closer to that person. Yeah. That it's important for me. Yeah, I guess it's a way of learning or seeing things from a different perspective. You don't want to have the same vision as you have. So when you have someone who's interested or passionate about something that's completely random and you don't need to like it, but it's just seeing that energy that they have will inspire you, as you say. And I think that's 
That's the beauty of a relationship. That is really important what you're saying here because uh, passion for something is one thing, but then when you are together with one person, I think it's also important that you live together and you inspire yourself in, in the relationship. And for me, then, what I really appreciate uh, is when somebody is also willing to change and willing to improve and willing to to be curious about the other person and rethink your own perspectives and think, okay, maybe that's something I I have not thought about before and I will adapt and uh, evolve with my partner together to, to become, if you want, so a better person. Yeah, yeah. So we spoke about positive traits that you can find in, in your partner. What about the red flags? What for you is a red flag in a guy? For me, red flags can be the non-committal attitude that is to say um, at the beginning it's all nice and yeah I'm interested I'm interested to you but both guys and girls are very guilty of this where if you show too much interest straight away at the start it's seen as being quite off-putting they're like oh my god you know why is this guy why is this girl so interested in me I need my own space whereas if you show too little interest it's like this guy doesn't like me or this girl doesn't like me you know what what is that what is their problem so what is the right balance what is the right level of interest someone can show where you feel comfortable to me uh yeah it, sometimes i felt it was too much or too little but it was also from a personal perspective i think that sometimes especially from the point of view of a girl we we are guilty as say of feeling too much or too, too, or not enough attention from the guys uh, according to our level of interest. If we like a boy very much, then we think, oh, he's not interested enough. If we think he's not writing us enough or wanted to get out with us. But at the same time, sometimes uh, we get attention from a guy and we're not really maybe that interested into, to him. So if he writes to us, we tend to think, oh, he's, he's trying to glue up to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, it's wrong in a way. I think you have to be honest with yourself and then try to be honest with the other and, and say, okay, this is my level of interest. I want to go out with you for these reasons. And yeah, try to be honest, but from both sides. I think for, for me it's relatively clear also I, I share that opinion that it's better not to text too much mm. because when you're texting you get a text message and it puts you out of your, your life, your everyday life and I think it's important when you're dating uh, to keep doing the things that you like to do and that you do not give up yourself otherwise it would not be fair to yourself and also not fair for the other person because the other person wants to get to know you and yeah. y you can only be yourself when you keep doing what you're doing and when you're texting all the time I think um, you stop doing things you like and so I share also the opinion that it's better to meet physically and just I, I mean you can show interest also by messages mm. but not too much yeah I think text messages don't really give you a real perception of the actual person mm. and I've been guilty of this in the past where I was once dating a girl where I hadn't seen her We, we began talking, but I hadn't met her for at least two or three weeks from the first point of contact on a social media app. And we had some incredible conversations via text message or on the phone where we spoke about everything under the sun, real deep, meaningful conversation. I was like, this person is incredible. I, I can't wait to meet them. And then three weeks later, I meet this person and she could not say one word. She was so shy. She was so like in her little box. Yes. And I couldn't hold a conversation with her. 
I was trying so hard, but it felt like talking to a brick wall. And this, this wasn't really, you know, for me, it didn't translate from the text message to in person. Mm. And I felt like, in, in a, not in a disrespectful way, but I felt like I'd wasted three weeks of my life communicating with this person to meet them in, in real and, and for it not to be reality. So to meet the person, I think, is one of the most important things to do when you're dating, especially when, you, when you've just met this person, where you just like to talk. You have to meet them frequently in order to really get their aura, get their energy and understand what they're really about. I think also we talked about social media where you can pretend to be somebody else and, and things like that. I think that is a danger today that people have their perception of their, themselves and it does not match with their real personality. Mm -hmm. And I think this would be for me kind of a red flag if you want to call it like that. If somebody tries to be another person and is not uh, authentic. So how do you find something true? How do you find something meaningful in a relationship? When you let a person to be very close to you, I mean you give meaning to the relation to that person and when you do things to be close to the other person, like we were forced to take the airplane to see each other at the beginning, when you do that I mean it's it's getting meaning meaningful by mm. itself because actively you have to think you miss that person and it's a feeling and then you have to be concrete and make actions and I think that that in a way was really difficult of course because you had to organize the first summer we had to organize every weekend will I come will she come or how will it work but in another way it also we we, we are we were seeing each other as partners because we had to do something to see us. So that gave us some meaning to us in the beginning. Yeah. So to show that level of commitment, essentially, exactly. it allows you to form something meaningful is to, is to go for it, not to half-heartedly go for it. I think mm. that's a very important lesson there. Is some people don't want to commit 100% because they feel they're going to get hurt. But to find something meaningful and to find something that's going to last you, you have to go in all 100%. In a, on a general level, I think you have to give meaning to little things and also think about people, how they are, that they're just normal people. Today we have a lot of pressure from the media, from television. Everybody has to be beautiful and perfect and everybody makes an effort to be beautiful and perfect through cameras, through videos, but we have to keep in mind that we're all human beings, we have imperfections, so we don't have to look for that perfect person, it won't exist, we won't get the perfect thing ever. And then also, don't be too judgmental about the other person, and that's a way that gives meaning to, that's a way to give meaning to little things and appreciate how people really are, and that's that's what can keep a relationship going on a long-term basis. So another question I want to ask you guys is, now that, you know, you've gone through that whole stage of you've dated, you've, you know, you've, you've lived together, um, you've met each other's parents, how do you keep things feeling fresh now? We try to keep the mystery. <laughs> I mean, we, we spend much time together after the quarantine. We, we spend much more time together than before. But I think uh, we keep it spicy in a way that everybody keeps doing his life. I mean, you have your actions where I'm not involved. I have things to do after work. 
where she is not involved. I mm. think like that everybody has his little room where he can uh, not not hide, but where we can be his personality only yeah. by himself. And I think like that there's still some mysteries and some interest and some inspiration in the other person. And I think that's that's one really important point. Also another point, um, the fact that sometimes we try to remember uh, the nice moments we had together. It's something that sometimes can help us to really appreciate what we have and what we lived. Uh, for instance, thinking about our first uh, days together or our first messages or the first time that I met his family. Keeping these memories alive by retelling each other or by watching the pictures together can be a precious time to like restate what we have. Yeah. No, I think that's awesome advice where you, you should remember the good times that you've had. So how you formed your relationship, the foundations that you have, you should always reflect on them. And the amazing thing that you mentioned, Fritjof, is not to lose your individuality when it comes to relationship. You should still continue being yourself. The idea is to um, supplement your partner with your life, not to take over their life and become this one human being. It's oh. you're still separate entities. You need to live your life and do what makes you happy. But by doing that, will allow you to be happy with your partner as well. And I think that's great advice. And one thing that I would like to mention here is that I think sometimes people feel once they're in a relationship that that's it. They, they don't need to put in any effort, you know, especially when people get married. And I see this in older couples where they just, they, they lose that, that energy that they shared in a relationship where you can see that, They go to jail. <laughs> One good example um, is how people lose their health. So when before you're trying to pursue a relationship, you're nice and trim and you're fit and you go to the gym and you eat well and you want to have this great body and this great skin and everything. And as soon as you're in a relationship, all of a sudden, you know, you're eating pizza and crap all the time and you're not really working out and you put on this weight because you don't feel you need to be that 100% for your partner anymore. Yeah. But I think that's a very negative way of looking at yeah. it. And it you, need to, you need to keep that energy there by still trying to pursue being in a relationship with this partner you shouldn't just give up because you found your partner and that's it yeah yeah that's i mean you have to show to, that you appreciate your partner also yeah. by, by keeping keep to be a good person i think that's important something that i'm going to pass very soon in my life is hitting 30 <laughs> <laughs> And for me, it's quite a, a traumatizing thought that I'm going to lose my 20s very soon. Uh -huh. And I have with me here Fritjof, who recently turned 30. Exactly. So <laughs> how has it been for you to turn 30? <laughs> What has been your experience? Honestly, I am quite happy to be 30 now, finally. Because I mean, <laughs> uh, it's been like, like, like a big birthday. When, when you turn 20, you think, okay, 30 is so far away, but it's still somewhere and it's coming. And now it came and... I'm just really happy that on, on the one hand I'm over it, on the other hand that, that I'm 30 now and I can say, okay, I have the three uh, as, as the first digit <laughs> of my age, so it, it's really good. And I think it's not a bad thing to, to get older. I think it's, you can see it as a positive thing because you get more wise, you know yourself better. When you're at the beginning of your 20s, for example, uh, you don't know yourself, you're just kind of lost, you have to orientate yourself, yeah. you are really influenceable by other people. And while getting 30 or while getting old in general, 
you just know what you like, you know what is good for you and what is bad for you. I mean, you, you, you will be maybe less attractive, uh, your, your physic, <laughs> physical uh, capacities will not be the same. Yeah, maybe. that's quite daunting on me right now. But I mean, it's not a bad thing. An important thing that I've learned from people is to be open to change. Is just because you're 30, you shouldn't like stop thinking or breathing in a young way. You should still think there's a lot to learn in your life and there's a lot of change that you still have to go through. That's the advice I've received so far and it's pretty good advice, but what advice do you have for me <laughs> when I hit 30? <laughs> I think it would be exactly the same advice. Actually. Just try to, to change, uh, try to be open for other people and also benefit from what you have, benefit from the experience that you have gathered already and put them in relation with the new experience that you have. It's just a number in the end. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for that piece of advice. We're coming now towards the end of the podcast and I'd like to end it in a specific way. And so there's a couple of questions that I asked that I want you guys to share your opinions on. So number one is, what is the one piece of advice you would like to share with my audience that you've received in your life? The advice I would like to share is trying to make the best of each day and live simply because if you keep it simple and try to be grateful about what you have, it really makes you go forward and appreciate what you do, what you are and what you have around you. And for you, Fritjof? Mm, it's relatively simple actually. Just switch off your phone sometimes when you're waiting for a bus. Just be bored. It's, it's okay to be bored sometimes. Yeah. It's also important. That's something I do sometimes, not every time, and I think it, it helps me. I love that. I love that. And finally, if there is something that you'd like to plug or share something with the audience that they can learn about, so this can be a book that you've read, a film that you've watched, a series, an article, music, whatever it is, what would you like to share with my audience? Uh, it's a film that I watched just two times, but uh, it affected me because it's a film about life, it's about time. And it's a film where the protagonist uh, learns from his father that he can time travel, which can help him to like better his life and the relationship he has with the people or try to win uh, his, the heart of uh, his dream girl and stuff like that. But what he eventually learns is that, yeah, you can time travel and improve your life, but if you try to live it at the most you won't need to time travel what was the name of the film? it's about time with Donaldism ah, there's a book that is really interesting which is called Sapiens A Brief History of Humankind by Harari I think that's something that you can read to I don't know develop some kind of identification uh, with yourself as a human being I think it's really interesting to read that <laughs> is that like a very German response <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but I can't have it. <laughs> okay, awesome. So guys, make sure you check out this book, Sapien, as well. Sadly, that is the end of the episode. Thank you so much for having me. Well, first, allowing to host me in your apartment, which has been incredible, but also spending time with me on this podcast. And those at home, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And stay tuned for more episodes of Dive Deep with Dush.